The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Providing insight and resources for your spiritual journey. Unity Online Radio. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, where spirituality and recovery meet with Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D. Now, here's your host, Reverend Anna Schaus. Welcome to the Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, where we support your spiritual growth in recovery. My name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your host, and I want to thank all of you for listening with us today. Thank you for joining us, and thank you for letting us know that what we're doing here on Spirit of Recovery is making a difference for you, that's supporting your recovery, supporting your spirituality, giving you some new ideas, giving you some inspiration, and um, introducing you to some new depths, new possibilities in spirituality and recovery. Thank you for liking our Spirit of Recovery Facebook page, and um, it's great to uh, see those likes coming in, and great to know that you're uh, seeing what we're posting, and thank you for what you're posting there on the Spirit of Recovery Facebook page. And um, it's uh, great to be broadcasting here on the topic of spirituality and recovery right here on UnityOnlineRadio.org, and um, it's a big deal for me. I love it. Um, I'm a participant in the recovery process myself as a friend and family member for 36 years. I can't believe it. And I am so grateful, so uh, joyful to have the opportunity to bring you great guests and to share ideas about recovery and spirituality with you. Because, boy, we can all use some inspiration, some support, and some new ideas that help us to keep growing. I want to thank you also for letting your friends and the people in your recovery community and your unity community, your other spiritual communities, your family, whoever, know about us here on Spirit of Recovery. And um, thanks for helping us to broaden our reach and to uh, reach out and and, uh, spread the good word to more and more people. Every week, we do talk about topics that are important to the recovery community with guests who are down-to-earth, knowledgeable, and innovative. My guests are always people who are either in recovery themselves or who work with or write for recovering people or teach uh, recovery concepts or spirituality. Lots of times, uh, as we well know in the recovery world, those people, my guests, uh, fit all those categories. So... um, My guests are always bringing you practical information that you can use and lively discussions that get you thinking. You can listen to Spirit of Recovery in a variety of ways. You can, of course, listen live via your computer, via your smart device. You can also go to Stitcher.com and download their app, search for Spirit of Recovery. You can listen uh, via iTunes. Uh, If you have an Alexa-enabled device, you can ask Alexa to play Unity Online Radio. And um, so there's lots of ways uh, to listen. You can obviously listen live, and we've got years' worth of fabulous archive uh, podcasts. So I really invite you to explore those through those venues, um, or you can go to unityonlineradio.org slash program slash spirit of recovery and listen at your own leisure. I want you to know that Spirit of Recovery is a welcoming place so that if you're a person in recovery from any kind of an addiction or if you're a family member or friend of somebody that has the disease of addiction or if you're just curious about recovery, spirituality, what all this is about, you are welcome here. And I'm glad you're listening. And if you have a comment or question for my guest on the topic, please email that in or call it in and we'd be happy to entertain that here on the air. 
I always want to give a shout out to family members and friends because sometimes family members and friends such as myself don't realize that we also can have a recovery process, but we can. There are lots of resources, 12-step programs, therapies, all kinds of stuff, tons of books. So everybody has the opportunity to engage in their own recovery process for whatever aspect of this disease, if it's substance, uh, behavioral, or uh, that enabling part, that the family disease that family and friends have. Uh, there's recovery for everybody if you uh, choose that, and it's a powerful spiritual growth path. Um, I want you to know also that if you like what you hear on uh, Spirit of Recovery and the other great programs on UnityOnlineRadio.org, if you'd like to support it financially, this uh, radio station, it's nonprofit, and uh, donations are welcome. If you want to, you can text Unity Radio to 72727 from your smartphone and make a one-time or a recurring donation. And so um, that's an opportunity for you. Again, my name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your Spirit of Recovery host. I'm a Unity minister and also an addictions counselor, and I'm a person who has in my own circle of love and friendship many people with the disease of addiction. And uh, as I said a little bit earlier today, 36 years ago, those relationships got me started on an active path of personal growth and spiritual development, and I continued uh, to engage with recovery principles and unity principles, and that just keeps me growing. So I'm delighted to have the opportunity to share these ideas with you. I've got a great guest for you again today, and um, I know you're going to really enjoy what he has to say. He's got a great uh, story and lots of energy and love and heart, so I know you're going to really be inspired and uh, have your mind and heart open by what he shares. The topic today is trust HP, and you'll get where you need to be. Um, You know, recovery is not a straight path, and it's not meant to be because spiritual growth is really a lot more like a spiral. Um, It it just, we kind of go around sometimes and deal with the same issues, but in deeper ways, I don't think there's such a thing as backsliding. There's just going deeper. And so uh, as we keep growing, we get into our spiritual core, and then we tap into that human experience, and we learn how to bring those together. We don't run away from life. We learn how to bring our spiritual nature, our inner uh, spiritual self into life, and we learn how to grow. And, you know, our higher power is always with us, and it's always keeping us growing. And uh, all we need to do is even just to be a little bit willing and a little bit open. My guest today is Reverend Paul Fitzsimmons, and Reverend Paul is a person in long-term recovery, and um, he's going to be sharing with us today how his life quest for spiritual fulfillment led him to recovery and a life of spiritual service. Paul is the recently ordained spiritual leader of Unity Fellowship Church in Williamsburg, Virginia, and he is also a retired U.S. Army civilian, and um, he had returned to work for the Army. He was a, a, a part of the armed services for many years. In his career, and then um, later after 9-11, he returned to work for the Army as a civilian in training and um, audiovisual engineering. So, um, and he is married. He has his wife, Debbie, of 19 years, and um, they live in Virginia, and they have a lovely cat who... um, likes to be fed. We found that out yesterday when we were talking on the phone. So um, welcome my guest, Reverend Paul Fitzsimmons. Welcome, Paul. Glad you're here. Reverend Anna, um, actually there's two cats. There's uh, JJ and Jasmine. And so, um, yeah, there's a pair. And uh, I hope Debbie's listening and I wouldn't want to leave one of her beautiful cats out. That's right. Thank you for making sure we got that in there. <laughs> cats, cats, they both want to be in there. Yes, All right. Ma'am. Yes, sir. Well, thank you again for being my guest. And, um, you know, you've got a really incredible story about your spiritual journey and your growth. Tell us a little bit about, about your beginnings. You've always been on a spiritual quest. I have, um, and, I, and the reality is, is I had no idea that that was the case. Um, but I was raised, uh, I was born in 1952 and, um, and I was raised in Indiana and I was raised in a, um, Roman Catholic family and, um, 
uh, the, the trials and tribulations of life were handled through um, our Catholic faith, and all went well. Uh, my father was, um, my father had actually been, he went to St. Minard's, the seminary, and um, he uh, contracted pneumonia, and as a result, he contracted it twice, and as a result, they sent him home on the second time, and he met my mother, Patricia, and uh, the rest is history. But uh, I guess at some point I could be grateful for pneumonia or I wouldn't be here. Um, and things went very well in our family. It was all good. We came from um, a, a long background of Irish and German Catholics, and um, we went to, to catechism classes on Saturdays, and I was enrolled in the um, uh, Central Catholic High School in Lafayette, Indiana, and all was well with that. And when I was a freshman, the year I left um, my freshman year in high school in June, um, all the rules and regulations of the hardcore or hardcore to me Catholic religion lived. Uh, you couldn't eat meat on Fridays. Uh, we weren't allowed to uh, miss mass on Sundays. Uh, we couldn't go into anyone else's church and um, we couldn't date anybody from another religion and so forth and so on. And um, over that summer, the rules of uh, Pope John the Twenty-Third's ecumenical council came into play. And uh, when I came back as a sophomore, all the rules that I had, had grown up and lived my life by and had actually aligned some idea of who Jesus Christ is um, with those rules, all changed. And um, that change in itself was challenging, but then I ended up uh, in religion classes getting input from uh, the sisters who were doing their best to try and explain to us the transition, and I would take that home and share it with the family at the dinner table, and my father would become very upset. And hmm. here was the separation. Because up until now, there was my dad and my mother, whom I consider to be the highest uh, human beings on the planet, and we belonged to this particular religious faith, which had everything laid out for us, how it was all going to be. Now, that changed, and I was coming home to share it with them, and they disagreed with what the changes were, and then I would take it back to religion class, and the nun would tell me, well, they, your parents are having to transition, they don't understand, and I would go home and say that. And so this huge row started. And my, all of my firm bedrock belief collapsed. And so all of my faith in the whole familial um, uh, setup and design collapsed. My belief in the religion collapsed. My, my belief period collapsed. And as a result of that, I was floundering. And that caused me to begin to question, what is this thing known as spirituality or religion? And how is that going to affect me? Um, now, I, 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 I was drinking uh, a little bit at the time, um, like high schoolers in those days did, um, but ensuingly, my drinking escalated. And I'm not saying that that had anything to do with this rift from uh, church and family and all this and that, but it most certainly was playing a part in the whole game. And so over the next, uh, truly over the next uh, 40 years nearly, I studied religion, I, 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 I worked, I went with gurus, I you know, I looked at Hinduism and Buddhism and Taoism and all the different uh, Protestant religions that bled off of Catholicism, and I looked at all of those trying to figure out um, some to, re to regain that sense of, of ease and comfort that I had when I was a child with Catholicism. And and it just simply never came about. It just it just never played out properly. And um, I never could separate who Master Jesus 
Christ was from Catholicism, and Catholicism um, let me down uh, in a way that I couldn't get over, and I couldn't separate those things, and so my my struggle in uh, finding some spiritual connectedness um, impacted my life in ways that are still, to this day, becoming obvious. Tell us more about that. How how did that impact your life? You so it sounds like you, more things are becoming revealed to you, I guess, about your spiritual life. What do you mean? How did it impact you? Well, the, so if we if we go back, um, so needless to say, in the very beginning of that, when I was in 1970, 71, 72, when I originally enlisted in the in the Air Force. Um, the Vietnam War was going on. There was all of the conflict on the street between young people and the and the constabulary. There was all the conflict on uh, in America about uh, whether it was right for us to be fighting that fight or not. And behind us, we're saying, you know, that that we have God on our side. That we're doing the right thing. Uh, the other side was saying, that's not true, that's old school stuff, this war thing isn't really working. And so I, I was personally caught in the middle of that. And I found myself really um, uh, lost as to what was right and what was wrong. I joined the Air Force um, um, because I really didn't know how not to. And I had never been anywhere but in my parents' house or in that environment, a uh, small town in, in uh, Midwest Indiana. Um, and so when I got out into the real world and I started being uh, confronted with what's going on and uh, left my parents' house in June, or excuse me, in August of 1970 and, and was um, arrived in Frankfurt, Germany on on Christmas Eve that same year, 1970, and then I was exposed to a whole arena of experiences that I had never known uh, with all these questions going on and with, with no real real faith to stand by and no belief, and, and in fact believing that the whole system I was raised with was all a lie and bogus, I was like a rudderless ship to be quite honest. And I was influenced by the culture of the old system, the constabulary was wrong, and that what they were asking us young people to do and the wars they wanted us to fight and the opinions and attitudes that they wanted us to hold were no longer valid. Um, and then, of course, there was drugs and alcohol involved in that. And so in that drugs and alcohol were involved, and in that I have the uh, tendencies of someone who um, can easily be consumed by drugs and alcohol. Um, I was like this, This, um, how do I describe it? I was like a, um, a movable bonfire, if you will, just being pushed from one place to another, trying to figure out what was going on. But the upside of that was is that I was open-minded enough to begin to hear about spiritual consciousness that was not centered in fundamental uh, Catholic doctrine. I began to read people like Baba Ram Das, and I began to read people like, uh, um, uh, hold on a minute, uh, Pramahansa Yogananda and Lahiri Mahathai and all kinds of, of Eastern influences that give me a whole different picture on what spiritual consciousness may be. And then I began to realize that there were, there were other ideas about what life and death were all about, that there were actually cultures that believed that we didn't have just one life on the planet, that we actually had recurring lives on this planet, and that the whole process of this human experience was to learn so as to one day be able to be absorbed 
in that divine creative force that generated life to begin with. And so it kept expanding and expanding. Um, but the downside of it was is that even as that consciousness expanded and expanded and expanded, the spiral down into alcohol and drug addiction was happening at the same time. So although I could see people getting great results out of having this idea about spiritual consciousness or that idea about spiritual consciousness and pursuing it, I could never really pursue it other than just on the surface because what really motivated me was the buzz, if you will. Right. And uh, mm -hmm. so that took a long time, and and um, I got out of one branch of the military, the Air Force, and uh, about 18 months later, not knowing what to do, I joined the next branch of the, of the military, the Navy. Um, I lasted in the Navy for until 1977, and then, you know, that's the first time I went to a treatment center. And that was, um, and that sent me in there. And that was the first time I ever experienced any type of 12 step, um, um, ideas or consciousness. And, um, uh, the first time I, I experienced one of those 12 step, um, rooms, you know, I, I like exhaled. I was like, Oh goodness, this is great. Um, but then this thing about spirituality came up again. And I, and I had no confidence in that. I thought, no, the last time I trusted this spirituality stuff, it really burned me. I'm not going to be vulnerable like that again, period. And so that happened, and it happened again. Um, um, I got out of that situation because I didn't agree with what they wanted me to do. Um, and 10 years later, I found myself still, still spiritually wandering consuming more and more and more intellectual understanding about religion and spirituality, yet unable to um, uh, uh, rele be released from this um, um, driving need to be inebriated. So, uh, Paul, what was that like for you to – and and we know that, that, that – uh, the disease of addiction is a body, mind, spirit disease that has physical components and all that. How were you reconciling that intellectually that I'm learning all these things about spirituality, I get all these lofty ideas, and yet, as you said, I can't quit? I mean, we understand how the disease works, but how were you processing that? Well, the way I was processing it was falling back to that shift in consciousness back in the 1970s where the constabulary or already always regular life was a lie and a joke. Mm -hmm. And so although I couldn't, I couldn't, um, um, I couldn't figure out what to do with realizing spiritual consciousness and, and this inebriation problem, Whenever it began to challenge me and I looked around, I said, oh, the way out of this is to surrender to the constabulary, to surrender to the old ways of being, and I'm not going to do that. And that was my defiance. Does that make right. sense? Yeah, it does. It's like... Like the to me, what I see—I don't know—you can tell me how you see it, but I see the good news in that is that you were a fighter. You were fighting for your life in the way that you knew how. You weren't gonna like cave. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I wasn't gonna cave. You know, I—I—I I, I was determined that there was there was something available to me. There was something available that that was out there that I would be able to experience this, this, uh, this incredible joy that I saw people experiencing um, and at the same time not feel like I had um, um, thrown in the towel, if you will, and um, um, acquiesced to a way of being that I didn't agree with. Right. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and that just, and that continued forward um, uh, until, uh, fortunately, um, in 1995, for whatever reason, um, and, and I, I want to say it had to do with spiritual intervention, um, I was able to put down drugs and alcohol. And um, I was able to live um, uh, without consuming drugs and alcohol for about 14 years. And everything was all fine and good. But what happened is, is, is I, I found myself being a, somehow or another in my, in my consciousness, I come to this idea that if I, if I were to attain the stuff that the constabulary said was important, but I maintained my independent consciousness that I could, I could come out on the top side. And so having insurance and having a job and having retirement and having status in the community and all those things started to become valuable to me again. And I began to pursue them and this and that and the other. Um, but there was a point where those material things didn't fill that, that, that hole uh, that I had or didn't fill the, uh, what happened was is I returned to a place where I was no longer content with those things. So and let I me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question, Paul. So what you're saying is you were in recovery, um, and yet in recovery, while your life maybe was getting more stable, and like you said, you were getting the, you know, the health, whatever, the insurance, whatever, the job, but still right. there was something that wasn't, right. it was somehow, there was still the hole. Exactly. 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 That's exactly right. And and the hole didn't show itself immediately. It took time for it to reappear because the it was it was um, uh, it, there was a decoy over the hole that was being um, uh, supported by accomplishing material success. Mm-hmm. If that makes any sense. Yes, and, it does. Um, and you know, and so. There was a point where the material success was not was no longer being um, uh, was no longer uh, a, a valuable decoy from the whole. And although the job and the the uh, material, the cars and the house and the insurance and and uh, a retirement and all that, regardless that all those had appeared. The ability to live um, compatibly with my darling wife on a regular basis and handle the day-to-day activities that it takes simply to be a human being on the planet weren't there. They weren't there. I couldn't, I couldn't throw enough money at the distress that Debbie and I were experiencing together to fix it. You know, I couldn't, I couldn't buy enough. Uh, stuff or enough toys or enough whatever. I couldn't, we couldn't take enough trips or we, this or that or the other to delay the fact that Paul continued to be, um, dissatisfied. Um, I get it. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, hang on. It's time for our break. But this Already? is, this is, imp- wow. yeah, I know it goes fast, doesn't it? But this is important. So, uh, listeners, stay with us. We're going to take a very short break, and then we're going to come back, and we're going to uh, have a little meditation when, you, when we come back. But then we're going to keep talking to Paul and find out what this is about because this is huge. This is a big thing in recovery. It's really important um, to know about this to stay in long-term recovery because 
everybody's got some kind of a hole inside and we have to deal with it in recovery. So um, stay with us. Um, our topic today is Trust HP and you'll get where you need to be. And my guest is Reverend Paul Fitzsimmons. He's a person in long-term recovery and he is sharing with us how he has remained open, remained willing, and been determined that he was going to find what's inside of him and uh, find that fullness, and he has, and he does. So stay with us. The Spirit of Recovery will be right back. As Unity Online Radio continues to expand its programming and outreach to the world, we count on the support of listeners like you. Please make your donation today. Go to www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. Did you know you can reach Unity's 24-7 prayer ministry online? You don't even have to give your name to know the prayers have begun for you or those you love. Someone has been praying around the clock at Silent Unity since 1890, and every request is taken into prayer for 30 days. Why not let us pray with you, too? To submit your prayer request to Silent Unity online, go to unity.org and click on prayer, or call 1-800-NOW-PRAY. Be sure to grab the latest issue of Unity Magazine and read the interview with Ram Das, the iconic spiritual leader of the 60s. He's now focused on how to age consciously. Spiritual author Thomas Moore reflects on grumpy old men and women. And Barbara Bowen writes a touching story about her experience as a caregiver to her mother with dementia. To subscribe to Unity Magazine, go to unity.org and click on Publications. Have you ever considered that everything you think, say, and do is a prayer to the universe? What would your life be like if you activated the power of yes? Join Reverend Beverly Molander and her exciting guests on Affirmative Prayer, Activating the Power of Yes, to find out how they activated the power of yes in their lives, their communities, or even the world. If they can do it, you can too. Listen to Beverly Molander and her guests live every Monday at noon central, 1 p.m. Eastern, on Affirmative Prayer, activating the power of yes. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. listening to Spirit of Recovery with Reverend Anna Schaus and her guest. If you have a question or comment or experience with today's topic that you'd like to share, call us now at 888-55-UNITY. That's 888-558-6489. Call now or email us at spiritofrecovery at unityonlineradio.org. Now, back to the program. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. If you're just joining us, my name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your host. And our topic today is Trust HP, and you'll get where you need to be. HP, you know, is higher power. So um, we're talking about how spiritual growth is a spiral, and um, we just have to stay open and willing, and, and uh, higher power will reach in and and lovingly grab us and keep us growing. My guest is Reverend Paul Fitzsimmons. He is a person in long-term recovery, and he is the spiritual leader of uh, Unity Fellowship Church in Williamsburg, Virginia. He's a retired U.S. Army civilian, and uh, he returned to work after 9-11 uh, for the Army as a civilian training in audiovisual engineering. So before I get back to my conversation with Paul Fitzsimmons, I invite you to join me for a brief time of uh, meditation, of relaxation, the Serenity Minute. So I do invite you to take a breath awarely, notice your breath coming in and going out, allow yourself to relax from the crown of your head and feel that relaxation as it moves gently all the way through your body temple. Be aware of your heart and your mind relaxing and Coming receptive and share with me this constructive idea. I am full of the love of my higher power. 
My higher power loves me. I'm not alone. I am full of love. I am full of love. I am assured that I'm never alone, for my higher power loves me. My higher power guides me all the time. So we take just a moment now in the quiet. Thank you, friends, for joining me in the Serenity Minute, and I trust that that was an opportunity for you to feel that fullness within yourself, that fullness that's your higher power with you and within you, and the truth of that love that's who you are. So take a breath and become uh, present in this moment, and now we're going to be back to my conversation with my guest, Reverend Paul Fitzsimmons. So, um, Paul, before the break, you were telling us about how you had been in recovery for, I don't know, a number of years, and then um, you were aware of this hole inside and how uh, with uh, your relationship with your wife, how things were going well, but, but it seemed like that you couldn't do enough in the external to really get along. So, tell us what happened next. Well, um, hello again. Thanks for the nice meditation. I appreciate that. Uh, allowed me to catch my breath. Um, so, so really the, you know, it's a, it's a sad, but true and very, uh, familiar story for a lot of us is that, um, I finally got to the place where the only real relief available was to return to using. And, um, and so I, you know, that's what I did. It started slowly and then. You know, uh, once it got got once I got started, it built and built. Um, and and my wife Debbie had never lived with me uh, inebriated. She had never seen that because um, I was not inebriated when we met and when we uh, got married. And so it caught her completely off guard. And um, the nature of of um, addiction, as I know it. Is that um, I'm a re- I'm real good at making up stories and excuses and conning and manipulating and all that kind of stuff, and so I was able to um, do that with her um, for about five years, um, and slowly it escalated and escalated, and you know the last um, eighteen months were significantly um, horrible for her. Until she finally got to the place that she couldn't, she wouldn't tolerate it anymore. She she became active in twelve uh, step recovery, and with some support, she actually called a friend of ours who lived in Cleveland and said, "I don't know what to do with this guy, um, but please come and get him and take him away from me. Um, I can't live with it anymore." And um, fortunately. For everyone, he did that. He did. He came and got me, and he took me to Cleveland and uh, basically dropped me off at a recovery house in Cleveland. And um, uh, Cleveland is a wonderful place, a wonderful town. Um, um, It took me a little bit to be accepted in that recovery house, but um, I was. And um, um, after eight months in that recovery house of of running all the same stuff that I had been running um, for all the years previous, they finally, you know, the the director of that house, because I, you know, when I walked in there, I was 61 years old, and my contemporaries in there were in their 20s, you know, 23, 25. And so the director of that house, he wouldn't even hardly um, acknowledge me, you know, because the stuff I was telling them, was not the was not honest was not the truth and and I know that he knew that and uh, so after eight months I had finally came to a place where 
I didn't think that I would ever be able to live outside of a place like that. And in that moment, that, that glimmering, shining star of desperation showed up. And in that one single moment, I said, help me. I need help. Please help me. And my friend who carried me to Cleveland happened to be there that day, and I walked outside of the facility and literally collapsed in his arms. I said, man, I don't, I don't, believe, that, I don't believe it's going to work. I don't believe I'm going to be able to live sober. I don't think it's going to work. And he, um, he said, it's going to be all right. He said, it's going to be all right. And I carried around a book written by a man named Emmett Fox for about 10 years called Sermon on the Mount that I could not read. I tried to right. read it and tried to read it and tried to read it. Um, that, that night, that very night, I went back in and I got that book out of my bag and I said, and I don't know why, I don't even know why I remembered it, but I got the book out of the bag and I started reading it and I literally could not put it down. It all made sense. It just all started making sense. And it, that was the breakthrough. That was the breakthrough moment. And, and, I, and I really can't describe it hardly beyond that. It, you know, there was no explosions. There was, it, it just, I reached a point where I really, I was really done. I was absolutely done. And... <laughs> In that moment, a power greater than myself, a higher power than my intellect, my emotions took over. And in that, in that moment, everything started making sense, and I woke up the next morning with a whole new view. And, and it was literally like there was, it was literally like there was a multiple there was like a tree of life in the domino setup. And it was like somebody clicked the first domino and everything started falling and going. <laughs> and it all just fell into place. And all that stuff I had been studying for the last 40 years all fell into place. And it all started making sense. And, and literally, um, my whole life changed in a matter of 24 hours. Completely. And, um, and then I stayed on. I stayed on um, in Cleveland for another, for another 14 months. I stayed on there because I, I didn't, you know, I was, I was tentative. I, it was like, oh, yeah, you know, I've had some short windows of success before. Um, um, and I don't trust it. And now, when I, after I hadn't been high for a little while, I started to have some feelings again, and then I felt really bad about putting Debbie through what I had put her through, and I was afraid to come home because I didn't want to have to put her through that again, you know? Um, right. It was crazy. And, um, and, I, and I, read, I read Emmett Fox, and he spoke to me, and I found some other things, and, and Emmett Fox um, wrote a little pamphlet. He gave a lecture or a talk at Unity Village in 1930. And, uh, and it, the, the talk that he gave is called Life is Consciousness. And I was sitting in my room um, at, in the three-quarter house, um, and I read this little pamphlet, and I said to myself, wow, I wish I could have been there, you know, because I'm, I'm really starting to get excited about what Emmett Fox had to tell me uh, that I'd never understood about, about the experience of uh, Master Jesus and all that stuff. It all started falling together, and I said, wow, I wish I could be there. And uh, the next thought that came to me was, well, maybe there's unity here in Cleveland somewhere. Why don't you Google it, you know? And I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. So I Googled it, and... Lo and behold, there was a Unity Spiritual Center uh, up Detroit Avenue about three-quarters of a mile from where I was huh. sitting at that moment. <laughs> and I walked, and I went, I got in my car, and I drove up the street and went to the Unity Spiritual Center, 
Um, it was a Monday, and I was greeted there by the guy who, like, shows people around. His name's Jim. And uh, he showed me around and said, wow, um, come back on Sunday for the service. And I said, okay, I will. And I went back in there on Sunday for the service, and I swear I exhaled for the first time in uh, at the very least two decades. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just walked in and exhaled. It was like, oh, I'm home. All I'm right. free. And, um, uh, you know, and from that point, um, um, uh, the pastor at um, uh, uh, Unity Spiritual Center Cleveland is Joanne, Reverend Joanne, and I saw Reverend Joanne um, talking, and every word that came out of her mouth, it was like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I got it, oh, yeah, yeah, I hear you, yeah. <laughs> it was crazy. And, um, um, and, and, I, and I, you know, I had this little flash at one point, wow. I'd like to stand in front of people and talk and tell them about the presence of God the way Reverend Joanne's doing. That'd be so great. And uh, shortly, you know, shortly after that, six months later, something like that, I woke up one morning and it was on me, it was on my heart to come home. And I called Debbie and I said, I'm coming home. And she said, oh, great, I'm really looking forward to seeing you and da 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 and um, and I came home, and um, uh, and we you know sat down and we had honest conversations like we'd never had before. Um, and you know I continued to participate with twelve steps and um, that kind of stuff. And we went looking for a unity church uh, or a unity spiritual center here in the in the in the Tidewater area near Williamsburg, Virginia, and. Uh, uh, there was the there was the church Unity Fellowship Church, and it was the closest one to the house. And we went there, and they woke, welcomed us with open arms. And uh, there there was a process going on there that um, uh, Reverend Jan, who who helped founded the church here in the area, and had been the minister and tried to retire two or three times. <laughs> um, still the minister at 86 years old, and, uh-huh. and I, you know, I just, I'm who I am, you know, I'm, I'm engaged, and I know stuff, and I talk to people, and I sing in a choir, and da-da-da, and after a few months, a couple of people walked up to me and said, We're, we really need a, a different minister, would you be willing to consider that? And I'm like, well, you know, I don't know. And I had to go home. I had to go home to Indiana and ask my mother. You know, I'm 65 mm-hmm. years old. I had to go home <laughs> to Indiana and go, Mom. Guess what? This is happening. That's happened. And they're asking me, if, "What do you think?" You know. And my mother's still a devout Catholic. You know. So she goes and she talks to her priest, and the priest says, "You tell him that he should pursue that no matter what." <laughs> <laughs> Good for him. I'm good for her. Yeah. And, you know, and so, um, uh, and one thing led to another, and uh, and I began studying for ordination, uh, continuing to participate in the 12-step fellowships, continuing always to participate, uh, Debbie and I both, um, applying what I'm gaining to the application of the 12-step principles, um, using them in my life, uh, sharing them with people, um, uh, getting feedback from people. Um, and so I completed uh, the requirements for ordination. Um, um, I was ordained on the 10th of September, and, um, and today I am the spiritual uh, director at Unity Fellowship Church, Williamsburg, Virginia. Congratulations! That's a big deal. You said yes to the call. Mm-hmm. And and the the day I'm standing, looking at Reverend Joanne, going, "Wow, I want to stand up in front of people and I want to talk about the presence of higher power in my life." And guess what? On Sunday, last Sunday, and next Sunday, and all the Sundays from now on, I get to stand up in front of people and talk about the presence of God. 
the presence of higher power in my life. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> wow. I bet you never would have predicted that, huh? No. No. In fact, I can promise you that there are dozens and dozens and dozens of people to include lead guitarists and rock and rollers that I've worked with who would have guaranteed you and put money in Vegas that that would never happen. <laughs> I promise you that it, it's like, how in the world did this happen? And it happened because someone told me that I needed, I needed to be honest, open, and willing, and that my life could change, and it could right. be of value to my creator, and it could be of value to my fellow man. If I remained open and honest and told the truth and stopped being afraid of what people thought about me, that miracles beyond my wildest dreams could come true. Right. And they have. They most certainly have. And I so was Paul, so... Yes, ma'am. What, so what is the state of the whole inside of you? Is it still there? Is it smaller, different, come and go? What? So the, okay, so the, the, there is no, there is no longer confusion inside of me. I, I no longer question whether or not there is a creator of the universe of which I am a part. There's no longer a question of is there a higher consciousness than the consciousness I experience in my material self. All those questions are answered. Um, there, is, there is no longer any fear of am I doing the right thing? Is this the appropriate action? There is no longer any concern that I may fall down because I have today complete belief in the fact that if I continue to fit myself to be of service, to the creator as I understand the creator and my fellow man, that I will remain free from the restlessness, irritability, and discontentedness that that hole in my soul used to generate. So I'm free. I am free. I am absolutely free. And I no longer question whether that is valid. It is simply so. That's, thank you, that's higher power. It is. That's, that's that assurance. It I is. don't know, you know, you, you know, how I see it is that we do, all, we do all the footwork, we do what we do, we stay open and willing, and then higher power does it. And it's, you know, not always just in one fell swoop, but there's lots and lots of stops along Along the way, and we don't have any control over that when the confusion goes or when the certainty comes. Or that's nope. to me, that's grace. That's the gift of grace. That's how I see it. Lots of ways to see it, but and and I agree with you a hundred percent. And you know, I think the incredible thing that's available to me, Reverend Paul Fitzsimmons, today is I have this story that's that stretches well across forty years so that I can look at, at my fellows who are struggling with not only addiction, but many, many other forms of disease, and say, it will happen. Continue, continue forward. Know that it'll happen. Have some faith. Because even in the depths of everything, when it was all said and done, when my wife Debbie called my friend in Cleveland, and my friend from Cleveland came here and said, you can either get in this car and I'll take you to Cleveland, or I will put you in this car and take you to Cleveland. 
And I looked at him and said, okay, I'll get in the car. So there was still some glimmering hope, some little kernel of faith that lived there that allowed me to just get in the car and not have to be put in the car. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I I think that's the that's the gift that you you just said it right there. It's hope. A lot of times that's what it's in us, I think, but sometimes we lose sight of it. Um hope and then the faith that comes follows it or that's that's there that's a part of it so um yep yep we're we're at the end of our time yeah go ahead yep one more thing i was was simply going to say that that um you know a few years ago when i was in cleveland and i had that that moment um if i would have made a list of what i thought you know would be the greatest life i could possibly live i would have definitely cut myself short for sure Mm -hmm. Because I had no idea what was available, I really didn't, and uh, and I know that 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 higher that higher power, that creative force of the universe, can and will use me. They they say that the greatest benefit and the greatest acknowledgement that you can expect from service is more service, and I agree. That's the truth. Well. Paul, thank you for being my guest today. Thank you for living your story. Thanks for telling us, and thank you for the hope you've given all of us, a lot of hope. And um, thank you. Thank you for for that gift, and thank you for being of service. Appreciate you being my guest today and for sharing all this. Thank you very much. Thanks for asking me, and I pray, God, that uh, one word that came out of my mouth can help one person make it to tomorrow morning. Amen. So, listeners, thank you for being here with us today. And uh, know that life is full of hope, full of uh, faith, that you've got that within you. And uh, just keep going forward, and you're full of love. So, have a wonderful week, and be blessed. And we'll be back next week on Spirit of Recovery. God bless. Thank you for listening to Spirit of Recovery with Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D., and her guests. Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central Time for down-to-earth ideas about keeping spirituality at the heart of your recovery. This program is brought to you in part by Soul Matters Ministry, committed to bringing light to the soul. Online at soulmatters-spiritworks.org. when we think we love someone we're actually loving what we think the other person may be able to give us love at its highest level demands nothing in return love is much more than an emotion it is an inner quality that sees good everywhere and in everybody it insists that all is good and by refusing to see anything but good it tends to cause that quality to appear uppermost in itself and in other things ask yourself What kind of love am I radiating? Do I love with no concern about what I'll receive in return? Make the choice to love unconditionally, purely for the sake of loving. You'll become a healing, harmonizing influence on everyone and everything in your world. This message has been brought to you by the Association of Unity Churches International. To find a Unity Church near you, visit www.unity.org. At Metaphysical Rock 2, we demystify metaphysics to help you live life at a deeper level. One of our key principles is the recognition that you always have the power to choose how you respond to any situation. Instead of asking, why did this happen to me? A better practice, which aligns with the metaphysical principles we share, is to ask yourself the question, how can I use this for good? We promise you'll experience a transformation in thinking that will reap huge dividends as you master the art of living metaphysically. For new perspective and spiritual insight, listen to Metaphysical Romp 2 with co-hosts Rev. Paul Hasselbeck, Rev. Bill Holton, and Rev. Cher Holton. 
Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Central Time here on Unity Online Radio. I'm Michelle Phillips, a celebrity makeup artist, beauty expert, self-confidence coach, and Hay House author. My podcast, Beauty and Beyond, is the place for women navigating the challenges of the aging process. Listen in for my professional advice, as well as my expert guests, as we share valuable tips, practical tools, and empowering resources to help you not only look amazing, but also live an amazing life part of the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network and available wherever you get your podcasts.